Well, you know, as we're kicking off um, a new year, one of the things we're going to look at over the next several weeks is this idea of making better decisions so that we can have fewer regrets. And and here's the hard thing about decisions is, one, um, do you know how many decisions we make in a day? Some people estimate, some experts estimate that we make over 30,000 decisions in a day. Now, decisions like picking up your phone when you're standing in the checkout line, decisions like what time to wake up, decisions like whether or not to yell at your child or spouse or let it go. We make decisions all of the time, and the thing about decisions that I've learned in my own life is that it is way easier to make a decision for somebody else than it is for you. Like, it's way easier to make the decision to handle your finances well for somebody else than it is for you. It's easier to decide not to buy that, right? It's easier for you to look at somebody else and say, you don't need a bigger TV. You should be content with what you have. But it's harder for us to do that. It's easier for us to look at somebody else and say, do you really need a fourth piece of pie? Do you really need that? But for us, we go, I deserve this dessert. Do you know how much I shoveled? I deserve this. I've earned this. See, the biggest problem in decision-making for your life is you. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. The biggest problem in my life when it comes to decision-making is me. I'm the easiest person to lie to. I'm the easiest person to deceive. I'm the easiest person to get hooked on something, right? I mean, Amazon knows how to do it when they say people like you bought this as well when they bought this. Don't you want to buy these three things together? Is there a discount? No, there's not a discount. It's just that all three of these things are right here waiting for you. You just have to click this one button and it's there. The easiest person to deceive when it comes to making decisions in your life is you. And this is the biggest roadblock. You are the biggest roadblock to making godlier, better decisions in your life. Now, here's how I know this is true. You're the hardest person to lead. Like I said, if you're a leader, you know this to be true. You're the hardest person to stay on track with your goals and resolutions. You're the hardest person to keep focused. And so as, we, as we're beginning this series, we're going to spend the next several weeks just looking at five simple questions. Now, these questions um, uh, come from a book that I came across several years ago uh, by Pastor Andy Stanley called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And, and, and here's the thing that was so helpful about this is that all of us have a decision-making grid. There's all, all of us have a way that we make decisions. And when you decide to, you know, make a big life change, there's a certain grid that you go through. There's a certain group of people that you probably talk to. There's people you go to to get advice. If you're a student, there's people that you talk to to get advice from. And so when I came across this book, the the simplicity of the questions were incredibly helpful. It's actually shaped how Katie and I um, have parented, how we do our, how we work to make decisions in our marriage. It's actually, as I'm going to share next week, it's a big part of why we ended up moving to New England. And so you've heard me say before that I have a book list for all of our kids uh, that they have to read between now and the time that they graduate high school. And they're all different depending on the child, but this is one of the books that all five of them have to read. Because if we're honest, the second part of this series The second part of fewer regrets is the thing that we really, really want. 
Because most of us are not very good at making decisions. Most of us have decisions that we wish we could go back and undo. And the thing that we're going to see again and again in this series is that there is, a, there is a deep connection between the questions you ask and the decisions that you make. That good questions lead to good decisions and bad questions or no questions lead to good decisions. Anytime that you have made a decision and did not ask yourself questions or did not have other people ask you questions, my guess is you ended up having regrets. And so the theme verse of this series uh, that we looked at last week is Proverbs 27, 12. It says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, the prudent person in Proverbs is the person that thinks ahead, the person that is looking out, the person that is acting and making decisions with the future in mind. But the simple the one who makes decisions in the moment, the one who makes decisions because it feels right, because this just makes sense, pay the penalty. Now, I want you to think for a moment about a decision that you've made that you have paid the penalty for. And just evaluate it. Just take a step back from that decision and just ask, were you prudent? Did you think? Did you, did you step back and ask questions? Did you, did you make a decision with the future in mind? Or... Did you make the decision in the present? And did you end up paying the penalty? See, and so over the course of this series, we're going to look at five questions. And the first one is this. Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? See, the reality is you and I can talk ourselves into anything. We don't need anybody else's help. We don't need anybody else's help to talk ourselves into debt. We don't need anybody else's help to talk ourselves into a bad relationship. We don't need anybody else's help to talk ourselves into poor health. We don't need anybody's help for that. Am I being honest with myself? And what makes this question, I think, even deeper and, and, and a little bit more intrusive into the places we need it to be is to add a word. Am I being honest with myself, really? Am I being honest with myself, really? Now here, there are a number of places and areas in our life where this question is, is important, but here are two. The first one is purchases. Now I want you to think for a moment. Have you ever bought anything that you just wish you didn't buy? Here's a really silly one for us. So when we were engaged, we got a Jetta. Now, I, I don't know if you remember back to the early 2000s, but Jettas were so cool. Well, here's what was great about this car, is how expensive it was to fix. So anytime we took this car to get it fixed, you had to wait for a part to come from VW because it was made in such a way that other parts just wouldn't work. So I remember our car at one point sat for six weeks in the parking lot of the garage because we couldn't afford to fix it. But so many of us at different times, we'll talk ourselves into all kinds of purchases. Right, I had a friend one time who came home, no lie, came home with a brand new car that he had not talked to his wife about. Now here's the thing, when he drove in, when he told me about this, I looked at him and I thought, you are an idiot. But do you know what he, he said to me? He goes, well, why? I could afford it. But here's the thing. Every time you purchase something, 
What if you step back and say, why am I buying this? Am I buying this to impress somebody? Am I buying this because I need it? I mean, we just went through Christmas, and if you've been around any kind of like teenager or little kid, I mean, they need everything. But do you need that? Here's another area that this shows up in, relationships. Relationships. We have an incredible ability to talk ourselves into all kinds of bad relationships. Maybe you've had this experience where someone comes to you, you're dating somebody, and you just think they're the one. Oh, man, they're so cute. They're blue eyes and abs. And somebody comes to you and just says, you know what, I just don't think they're good for you. And do you know what we'll say to that person? You don't know them like I do. Yeah, but you know what? She seems to be like, she seems to attract drama. Yeah, but, you know, you just don't know how difficult everybody in her life is. You talk to somebody about a job and you say, hey, like, I I just think this would work really well. And they're like, yeah, you know, I I don't know. Have you thought about this, 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 and this? And they're like, but it'll, it'll work out. This is an incredible opportunity. So what happens, here's what we do. The well-meaning people around us, as we're going to see today, they're not as smart as we are. They don't see the things that we see. And you know what? You're right. They don't see the things that you see. They don't care that that person has beautiful hair that will one day fall out. They just don't care. They don't care that that person is in perfect shape because one day they won't be. So they don't care. They don't care that you just have to have a 77-inch TV because one day they know it'll break. See, the thing is, is when it comes to decisions, you and I are so good at talking ourselves into the worst decisions ever. And then here's what happens, because this is what happens in other people. We'll talk about other people for a moment because we've talked about ourselves enough. So in other people, right, you see other people and they're about to make a decision and you go, and it it doesn't work out and they have a regret, what do we say? How did you not see that coming? Right, have you ever had a friend just flabbergasted and just say, I just didn't see that playing out that way. And you just sat there and thought, man, we all saw that going that way. How did you not see it? Now, here's the thing to remember. As you chuckle at your friend, as you think that your friend is just not smart at all, Somewhere, there's somebody in your life watching your decisions going, how did they not see that coming? How did they not see that playing out that way? And the reason is, is because we didn't ask a good question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Am I being honest with myself? Really? Now, one of the best places in Scripture to see this is in a story that takes place um, in the book of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet who lived about 2,500 years ago. Now, a prophet in the Old Testament is somebody who spoke for God, who spoke to the people of God for God. Now, often the prophet was the person who was standing out in the streets, just shouting at the people and saying, come back to God, stop sinning. Uh, You know, so nobody wanted to be the prophet. Okay, nobody liked to be the prophet. And Jeremiah was a prophet that really no one listened to. And so 2,500 years ago, you have Jeremiah, who's a prophet. You have the king, Jehoiakim. 
So he's the king of Israel, and you have Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon. Now, Babylon at this point is the superpower of the day. But there is another superpower that's beginning to rise up at this moment in Egypt. Now, Egypt and Babylon have actually just had a battle, and Egypt conquered Babylon. But Israel is still under the rule and reign of Babylon. So Jehoiakim sees kind of an opportunity here and says, you know what? Like, now's the time for me to declare allegiance to Egypt and push away from Babylon, which in some ways, maybe you could see some wisdom in that. Like, okay, like Babylon's a little bit weaker, so here's an opportunity. And so what Jeremiah does, though, is Jeremiah comes to him and says, no, 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 this is not a good thing. This is actually against the will of God. And Jehoiakim says, no, this is my chance. Now, Jehoiakim, we know from Jewish writings, is a merciless tyrant. He has an enormous sexual appetite. And when you're the king, you get to do whatever you want because you're the king. No one can tell you what to do. So Jehoiakim doesn't listen to, Je- to Jeremiah because he stopped caring about what God had to say years ago. So it doesn't matter if Jeremiah comes and says, this is against God's will. This is against, you know, the decrees of God. So he says, no, 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 I'm going to do whatever I want. So he declares freedom from Babylon. So what does Babylon do? They invade Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar brings the full weight of his army to Israel and conquers Jehoiakim. Now, what Nebuchadnezzar did when he would conquer a people is he would actually take the king prisoner, blind him, and take him back. He collected blind kings, okay, as a way to deter people from rebelling against him. So he leaves and he puts Jehoiakim as king. Now, Jehoiakim is Jehoiakim's son. Are you following here? Okay, so Jehoiakim is the king that Nebuchadnezzar conquers, Jehoiakim is his son that Nebuchadnezzar puts in place. Now, Nebuchadnezzar gets back to Babylon and he starts to think, you know what? Is this the right thing to do? Should I have put this guy's son in place as the king? Now, Jehoiakim at this point is 18 years old. Three months after getting back to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar decides he made a bad decision. So he sends for Jehoiakim to come to Babylon as his prisoner. But then Jehoiakim has an idea. What if I were to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar? Now, at this point, we're reading the Bible going, we've seen this show. We've watched this episode before. But here's what he's thinking. And you've thought the same thing. You've grown up and thought, I'll never do what my parents did. No way my marriage is going to end up like theirs. We're not going to do the same things they did. I'm not going to parent the way they did. See, we have this idea. We have this pride and this elevation of ourselves that we are smarter than everybody who's come before us. So this is what Jehoiakim says. I'm going to do what my dad didn't do. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to be able to do it. I'll be able to finish the job. But here's the other thing that's going on. And it's something that's incredibly important when it comes to decision-making. Jehoiakim isn't just doing and trying to rebel to do what his dad couldn't do. He's also making decisions in the exact same grid and the exact same way that his dad did before him. And Jeremiah says, no, 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 this isn't a good idea at all. And Nebuchadnezzar comes and conquers him and takes him prisoner. At this point, Nebuchadnezzar appoints a man named Zedekiah to be king. Now, Zedekiah is 21. 
Now, at this point, I have to believe that nobody wants to be king. I'm, I'm sure that, like, at this point, you, we have to think, who would want this job? Who would want to be king? And will they finally get it right? But no, what does Zedekiah decide to do? I should rebel. I mean, this makes sense. The last two kings couldn't do it. I bet it'll be different this time. Have you ever told yourself this? I bet this time will be different. (laughs) How many regrets are on the other side of that? See, the reason that that Zedekiah thinks this is, is in 2 Chronicles. It says, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before the prophet Jeremiah at the Lord's command. You see, a little bit after becoming king, Zedekiah says, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to declare my independence. Now's my, now's my time. And Jeremiah comes to him and says, why? And begs him to reconsider. And the king says, no. Throws him out of his presence. And so Jeremiah goes out into the streets and tries to get people to listen and tries to rally people. And Zedekiah gets so tired of Jeremiah that he actually throws him into a dry cistern and says, just go, just go take your advice somewhere else. I want you to think, have you ever done this to somebody who tried to give you advice? Have you ever said to somebody, we just stop, you just don't know, you just don't understand? Almost any time, here, here's just like a window into bad decision-making. Almost any time somebody tells me, you just don't understand my situation, almost nine times out of 10, they're about to make a bad decision. Not every time, but almost every time. Because what we're doing is we're doing what Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah did and just say, you just, you don't get it. But what we're also saying is, I'm not willing to listen to anybody. Jeremiah is standing there for all three of these kings. And so finally, Nebuchadnezzar shows up with his army. And Zedekiah goes to Jeremiah and begs him to ask God to save the city and says, will you please save the city? And Jeremiah says, the only hope is for you to throw open the gates and surrender. And so Zedekiah still doesn't listen. He says, okay, I'm I'm gonna run. I'm gonna flee and try to get away. And Nebuchadnezzar captures Zedekiah and makes him watch as he kills each one of his family members. And then he blinds him and takes him prisoner. Now, here's what we do when we read something like this in the Bible. At least this is what I do. I look at this and I think, how could you be so foolish? How could you not see this coming? How could you not watch one person after another and see this train barreling down at you? It's the same way that we pass down an addiction down through generations. It's the same way that we pass down bad spending habits. It's the same way that we pass things down in our lives. It's the same way that we make the same decisions again and again, wondering why it turns out the same way. Were any of these kings being honest with themselves? No. They weren't listening to God. They weren't listening to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, a little bit before this, actually hits on why 
They did what they do and why we do what we do. He says, as the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable, who can understand it? The heart, your heart, my heart, your kid's heart, your spouse's heart, your friend's heart, the heart is deceitful above all. Now, this verse actually pushes on a really popular idea in our culture. See, and this idea goes like this. Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Just be true to yourself. This is such a popular idea in our culture right now. And, but the problem is, we rarely ask where this idea came from. Like, where does the idea come from to just follow your heart? Let's just set aside for a second whether or not that's good advice. But where did it come from? Where does it come from to be true to yourself? Actually, it comes from before Disney. It comes from a play that many, many of you have probably seen called Hamlet. Do you remember the line? To thine own self be true. Do you know who said that? I had to look it up. Polonius said it. Do you know who Polonius was in Hamlet? The fool. The fool said, to thine own self be true. And here's what we do. Well, that's got to be good advice. But is it? Every single time in your own life when you're following your heart, well, what happens when your heart changes? One of the most common refrains I'll hear from couples going through a hard time and considering divorce, I'll say, well, what's going on? Well, we just fell out of love. Just fell out of love. And I remember one time I was talking to a friend who said this to me, and I said, but, I said, but you were in love. Well, yeah. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I, we just followed our hearts. And I said, well, are you doing that now? And he said, well, yeah, I'm just following my heart. Does following our heart get us to where we want to be? I mean, I know in my life, almost every single decision that I would say I was just following my heart is a regret. And this is why when you get back to Jeremiah, he says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Now, I think it's interesting. He chooses the word deceitful because deceitful is different than dishonest. Right, we can pick out a dishonest car salesman, right? We can pick out a dishonest salesman like a mile away. But deceit is different than dishonesty. See, dishonesty is just a straight out lie. Like we know when someone's being dishonest with us, right? We know when somebody says, you know, you look, you look great in that dress. Like we know if they're lying or not. We just know, right? You, you just know. Like when somebody says, your hair looks perfect today, we just know, we know if they're being dishonest. But deceit is different because deceit has a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie. And so deceit actually gets us into trouble because we go, well, maybe, maybe this time will be different. And then we wake up with a regret. Maybe this time won't turn out the way that it did before. And then we have buyer's remorse. See, deceit is harder to see than dishonesty. See, every time we eat a little bit too much, we go, you know what? It's Sunday. Carbs don't count on Sunday. It's the Lord's day, right? There's a little, 
deceit. Your heart is deceitful. Your heart can get you into all kinds of places that you don't want to be. All kinds of places. And again, it's easier to see the deceitful heart in your spouse. It's easier to see the deceitful heart in your child, in your friend. It's easier to sit back and go, why are they lying to themselves about this? And this is why it is so important for you and I to hit pause on a decision and go, am I being honest with myself? Really? Or am I telling myself a lie that's going to end up with a regret that I don't want? Am I being honest with myself? Really? See, this is why Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, which Chris read earlier, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think what's interesting, and it's not because Paul doesn't like feelings, but he says the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say the renewing of your feelings. The renewing of your mind. Because here's, here's the reality. Our feelings will lie to us. Our feelings are real. Our feelings are, are true many times, but there are also many situations where our feelings will lie to us. So Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, what's the pattern of this world? Just be true to you. Just follow your heart. Just go wherever your heart leads. It doesn't harm anybody. You know, you're an adult. They're an adult. It doesn't harm anybody. I mean, that's the pattern of this world. That's the pattern of our age. And Paul says, don't be conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently. Look at things differently. Ask different questions. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the whole goal of this series is for us to add a few more things to our decision-making grid. You have one. I have one. But for us to get to a place where we're making better decisions and carrying fewer regrets. So here's how I want us to, to end today as we, as we move into this series. This question, out of all of the questions that we're going to look at in this series, are ones that can cause us to carry a lot of guilt. Because it's easy for us to look back and go, you know what, was I really being honest with myself when I stepped into that relationship? Was I really being honest with myself when, when I bought that? And this question, out of all of the ones we're going to look at, is the one that I think can give us the most regrets. And so I want to invite you for a moment to just take stock of over the last year or two. Are there any decisions that you made that you wish you could get back? Big ones, small ones? Are there missed opportunities that you think, man, if I could go back, I would, I would do that differently. I would say that differently. I would maybe not send that email or text. Is there a person that maybe gave you advice that you just brushed off and said, you just don't get it. You just don't understand my life. You just don't understand that maybe it was really just, that was God sending you help. That was God sending Jeremiah into your life. And here's why I bring all that up, because I don't want us to feel 
this overwhelming sense of guilt because all of the songs, I don't know if you picked up on it today, including this last one, but all of the songs are about the grace that God has for us. See, no matter what decisions you've made in this last year, decade, those decisions are not the end of your story. Those decisions are not the last chapter of your life. Now, you and I will carry the pain of regret. You and I will carry the consequences of different decisions, but those decisions are not the end. As we're about to sing this song about going to the cross, the cross reminds us that your decisions are always redeemable in the gospel and grace of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to just take a moment that maybe you need to bring some decisions and just kind of hold out to God. And maybe you need to take a moment and just confess some places, some bad decisions, some some regrets you've carried. Maybe you need to confess some pride of not listening, some some pride of not listening to God's word, to, to godly friends. But then to remind yourself as we sing this song, death and resurrection of Jesus covers all of that and redeems all of that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that no matter what we do, no matter what we carry, no matter what decisions we have made, no matter how many times we have lied to ourselves, there is always hope in your grace. And so as we sing this final song, as we For some of us, maybe carry a lot of weight of bad decisions, feel a lot of guilt of missed opportunities, of people we didn't listen to, of things that we think, man, I wish I would have paid attention to that person or that thing because maybe my life would have turned out differently. Pray that you would remind us that your grace covers all. that we can be made new, our minds can be renewed, our hearts can be renewed in you so that we can be honest with ourselves, so that we can see ourselves truly as we are, as you see us. that are good and perfect and pleasing for our lives. In your name.